if you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 11. All right? Mark chapter 11, I'm going to begin in the first verse there this morning. Mark chapter 11. Uh, let me talk to you for just a moment while you're finding Mark chapter 11. Uh, I would ask that you would pray this morning. Pray for, pray for me. Pray for my voice that it will hold out. I, uh, and I, I'll just apologize right up front. I didn't intentionally not tell you, but I've been preaching revival this week. Um, I think I mentioned Wednesday night, and if I didn't mention it, I meant to mention it uh, in the prayer request that I was going to preach on Thursday night at a church down by Mountain View that has their midweek services on Thursday, and they'd asked me to come preach. And as soon as I walked in the door there Thursday night, the pastor met me at the door and said, you're ready to go through Saturday night, right? And so anyway, so we had spontaneously, I guess you could say, or it was spontaneous to me anyways, we had revival we, uh, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And so anyways, and, and, um, and I praise the Lord. Uh, we had a good revival. We had a good time together in the Lord. Um, we did not see any salvations, but it did see, that I know of, but did see people who were renewed and excited about the Lord. And I praise the Lord for it. Uh, I had, there was a pastor from another church there in the Mountain View area that asked me that uh, we set up dates. That I'm going to go preach revival for him at his church uh, in June. Uh, the, whatever week the 15th is, but anyway, that's in. But anyways, the week of June the 15th, and so uh, and so I praise the Lord. And so anyways, I was just thinking, um, I was thinking two things. As I come home last night, I was thinking, I forgot how hard Saturday night revival is on the preacher for Sunday morning. Uh, but I also was thinking, you know what, I'm not going to complain, I'm going to praise the Lord. I've already preached more revivals this year than I did in the last two years, you know. Praise God that there's some revivals and God's moving and some things happening. Uh, and, uh, and I look forward to what God has in store for us. Mark chapter 11, if you found it, I want to begin at the first verse and, and read the first two, maybe the first 11 verses. Uh, verse 1 says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. And he saith unto them, go, uh, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man set. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him thither. And they went their way. And found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. And, and many spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into the... 
into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the evening tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Let us pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you together in spirit and truth. To, uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, your presence, for the good spirit that we felt. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here. We thank you, Lord, for each one who, who sacrificed and fought and bled and died uh, so that we might have this freedom. But we, thank, but we know it's a gift from you, so we thank you most of all. And, but, Lord, above everything, Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son, that you give him, Lord, Lord that, you, that he died on Calvary's cross, not for his sins, because he was without sin, but he died there for my sins and for our sins, and God, we, we didn't deserve it, we're not worthy, and we know it, and we recognize that, and God, we, uh, uh, Lord, let us always have praise and glory on our lips for you because there is not enough we could not in a million years thank you enough praise you enough do enough to repay you we are unworthy we will eternally be unworthy but God you knew that and God you done it anyways and God that is the reason that you alone are worthy of our praise are uh, worthy of all glory and worthy of our worship and so, Lord, I pray as we go forward in this service this morning, God, you know each one of us. You know our hearts. You know where we stand. There is nothing that is hidden from you. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would move in a mighty way on each and every one of us. God, that you would stir our hearts. God, that you would draw us close to you. God, that we would grow in spirit and in love and in number. God, God, I, my prayer this morning is, is if there's any that has grown cold, Lord, let today be the day that fires are kindled in them again. If there's any that are backslidden, Lord, let today be the day, Lord, that they would, uh, uh, that they would come back to where they know they ought to be. Lord, if there's any among us this morning that's lost and undone, any that has never known you, Lord God, let today be the day, Lord, that you'd pour out that old time Holy Ghost conviction upon them and that you wouldn't give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you. Because the most important thing is our relationship with you. Lord, if we, any of us have let anything get in the way of our walk with you, God, bring it to our attention so we can repent of it and get it out of the way. Lord, let everyone leave here today better than they come in. Let everyone leave here rejoicing, walking in your presence. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I like, I mean, this is Palm Sunday, right? This is the Sunday before we, uh, Resurrection morning, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. This is the Sunday before that it is Palm Sunday. Um, I, I do like um, the story, right? The say, and when I say story, don't get the wrong idea. This is a set of historical events that's recorded accurately, just exactly how it happened. 
And so anyways, as we read through this and we look at this, um, there's several things happening here. Uh, there's a lot of good messages in, this, in these scriptures. And, and some of these things you probably have heard me talk about before, but that's all right. We need to be reminded. Uh, but anyways, as we look at this and we look and, and understand what is going on, uh, you know, Palm Sunday, this is when uh, the triumphal entry of Christ, right? Palm Sunday is the first day, right? D don't get mixed up. Sunday is the first day of the week. It's not the last day, right? Saturday is the last day. Saturday is the Sabbath. That is the last day. Sunday is the first day of the week. This is the first day of the Passion Week, right? This is the day that Christ is uh, uh, the, the triumphal king is coming into, uh, is entering into Jerusalem, right? The, uh, the heir of David, right? The seed of David, right? The one uh, that the prophets of old had spoke of, right? The one that they had been waiting for, right? This is the king's triumphal entry. And of course it says here in the scripture, right? Uh, it, 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 it quotes or talks about, um, of course this account is given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, but anyways, in a couple of those, it, re it records the prophecy that is being fulfilled in the book of Zechariah, right? I, I guess I'm probably going to drag you all through the Bible today, but in Zechariah chapter 9, in verse 9, this very thing, right? God is speaking and he prophesies through Zechariah to the people of the nation of Israel. When they come back together after their exile, exile in Babylon, right? And they've come back and they've rebuilt the temple. And then God prophesies through Zechariah this very event, right? If you'll remember, if you've been in our Bible study when we went through, or you know, we went through this part of Zechariah, I realize we're still in Zechariah. But Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the, a colt of the fowl of an ass. That is the prophecy of Palm Sunday in Zechariah. Of course, it is prophesied in Zechariah approximately 400 years before it takes place. Now, you think about this for just a minute, and I mentioned this to my uh, Bible study class when we studied this. This is a different scene than what really they would have thought and they expected, right? See, in Zechariah's day, right, they're thinking a triumphal king that will come in and take the, you know, and, and bring them, uh, how do I want to say this? They were being ruled by the Persians and the Medes and then later, you know, of course, by the Romans. But anyways, they said that they were thinking this king, right? This one who had been prophesied of who would come and restore them to the days of whenever David and Solomon were king of Israel. They would have their independence again, their military might, all of that, right? And so the idea, the picture that you see is the king riding in on his mighty war horse. Right? How many, how many uh, uh, westerns and more westerns have you seen where the hero comes riding in on a burrow. They're making fun of Joker or something if he is. No, he comes riding in, right, that, that scene, right, he's on a mighty horse. You know, back in the old days it would have been a white horse. I guess in movies they make today is probably a black horse. But anyways, still is a big, powerful, mighty horse that symbolizes who he is. He's there, you know, to conquer but yet, in Zechariah's prophecy, the king who's been prophesied of, 
the Messiah. He's going to come riding in, right? This is the most humble of manners and ways, right? It is the colt, the fowl of, a, of an ass, that's a donkey, right? That nobody has ever sat on before. That's what the, what the prophecy is. I realize that's not exactly what a burrow is, but that's kind of, you know, a lot, you kind of get the picture. It's kind of along the same idea. And, of course, the people are lined up there, right? If, if we look at this and we were to read all four accounts and all four Gospels of this day, and we see what is taking place there, right? The people are all lined up. They're excited, right? They're, uh, they're, they're shouting Hosanna, right? They're, it's almost like they're ushering in the kingdom of God or ready to usher in the kingdom of God. But what was in their heart and their expectations was all messed up. And so anyways, the religious leaders, the folks of that day, the scribes and the Pharisees and stuff, they, they didn't like it at all. <laughs> they were trying to get Jesus to tell them to, to, to quieten them, to shut them up. You know, and Jesus, it, I believe it's in John's gospel, Jesus said that if they were to shut their mouths, the rocks would cry out. And so they're, they're, they're spreading their, their garments, their coats, their stuff, they're throwing on the ground, right? Ones are cutting palm branches. That's the reason it's called Palm Sunday. And they're making the, they're laying it out there. It's kind of like rolling out the red carpet type thing, you know. So here we are as we begin the scriptures here in chapter 11. We see that, as I said, it's the Sunday before Christ's crucifixion. Right? He's, he's crucified on Good Friday, right? And, and so anyways, or what we've become and we uh, recognize as Good Friday. And so this is the Sunday before that. And Jesus has the scene as we as chapter eleven opens here, is Jesus is drawn near to the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, and he is on his way to Jerusalem to make his triumphal entry. And when he draws near to the towns of uh, of Bethpage and Bethany, he sends out two of his disciples into a village to get this colt, right? This fowl of an ass on whom no man had ever sat. He sends them to go get this animal. He tells them exactly where they would find the animal and what the owners would say. Let me read that part to you again, verse 2. And he says unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you're entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. You ever thought about this before? This is the part I, I speculate on this several times. I like to think about sometimes. He grabs two of the disciples and he gives them these instructions. He said, once you go in town over yonder, and he said, if you go down such and such place, you're going to find this brand new, right? That, that's the way we need to think of it, brand new colt, right? Nobody has ever ridden this thing before. And he says, I want you to just, just get it and bring it back to me. And if anybody says anything to you about it, just say the Lord hath need of it. 
and they'll let you go. You, you ever thought about that? That would be about like Scott going up here to Weir Motor and getting in a car that nobody had ever drove before, sitting down in that brand new leather seat, and he's getting ready to pull out, and a salesman runs out there and says, Hey, wait, what are you doing? Scott says, Oh, the Lord hath need of it. And the salesman going, Okay, no problem. See you later. That's the kind of event that this is. Now, there are some people that will speculate and say that Jesus had prearranged all of this. God hadn't. I mean, he prearranged in the sense that he knew, right? Prearranged in the sense that he put in the heart of the man to let it happen. But he hadn't went down there with the old boy beforehand and made the deal with him. Right? He, he, had already had, he had already had things worked out, right? He already, it's a supernatural event. I've explained that to you before, right? Anytime God enters into the natural order of things, it is no longer natural, but it is supernatural. And so this is a supernatural event, really. I mean, God, it's a miracle, right? He, I mean, that, that is not normal human nature. For somebody you don't know to just say, okay, there wasn't no, well, you bring him back after a while. There wasn't no, we'll bring him back after a while. I don't know that the disciples that went even understood what was going to happen, what all was going to happen and take place with it. And I thought a lot about them fellers. One, I admire their obedience. Jesus says, go do this. And they don't, we don't see in the scripture where they argued with. But I also know, right, don't get in the idea, right? There's some different groups over the years who, who have really tried to build up the apostles and they put labels of saints on them, meaning that they're like super Christians or something. That's not the case, right? Saint just means one that's sanctified. Every one of you that are saved, you're sanctified. All of you are saints. All of you. These are ordinary men who, because of their willingness and their obedience, God done extraordinary things through. And I can just imagine, if I was one of them, you might look at me and say, oh man, you know, so you might be fooled and think some man of great faith, but that's not the case at all. I'll be honest with you. If I, wanted, I was one of them, I'd probably be a thought faking in the natural. Scott, if it had been me and you walking down through there, or Mike, if it had been me and you, or whoever, I'd have probably been like, after we got started and headed down the road, I'd probably turn to you and said, how in the world are we going to pull this off? They ain't going to just give us that cold. That's worth a lot, you know. I've been like, I ain't got no money. Have you got any? I mean, you know, I've been trying to figure out some way. Probably even been thinking. I've been like, you know, Scott, whenever he tells us to get lost, which he's going to do, I know an old boy over so-and-so that maybe we can, maybe he's got something that we can borrow or we can use for a little bit, you know, or work something out. You know, I mean, just the, 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 the doubt and the debate of what I'm sure was going through their mind as they would have been mine anyways as they're going down through the road. I think there's some things that we can probably apply their own lives from this. God give them some instructions. 
God's given you and I instructions as well. Let me ask you this morning, what has the Lord instructed you to do? And here's the next question, the logical question that follows that. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? What task has been given to us? Right? We're to spread the gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth. We're to be fishers of men. Right? We're to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. Right? Every creature. Everyone that we come in contact with. Do we do that? Are we telling people about Jesus? Are we showing people the love of the Lord? Let me get a little more personal with you. What is it that God has called you specifically to do? What has He called you to do? Has He called you to teach? Are you teaching? Has He called you to work with the youth? Are you working with the youth? Has He called you to be a missionary in a foreign field? Are you doing that? Has He called you to preach the gospel? Are you doing that? Are you doing what God has called you to do? And before you sit there and and say, well, maybe, but I'm telling you, the book of Romans, and I believe it's Romans chapter 8, tells us the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God's not changed his mind. You might have changed your mind about whether or not you're willing to do it, but God has not changed his mind. What has God spoke to you about? God spoke to your heart and asked you to maybe go visit somebody, right? Maybe to witness to somebody, maybe just to go help somebody that needs help. What has God spoken to you about? And the next logical question is, if God spoke to your heart, are you doing it? And let me ask something else you might say. You might sit there and say, well, yeah, God did speak to my heart one time, but that's been a long time ago. I guess I'm going to have to ask the question, did you do what he asked you to do then? If you still haven't completed the last task that he gave you, why would he give you another one until you've completed that one? Are you doing what God has asked you to do? What he's purposed in your heart. You know, there, there is a lot of promises in the scripture. God makes a lot of promises to us, but we're also called to obey. Right? That is our job, to obey. Right? Uh, uh, Samuel says to Saul uh, in 1 Samuel 15, 22, that it is better to, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. Right? That's exactly the lesson he's telling Saul. To obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, let me drag you through the scriptures for a minute. Jeremiah uh, chapter 7. Uh, let me read to you verse 23. Speaking on the same subject, it says, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Isaiah, if you flip on back in your Bible a little bit farther, to Isaiah uh, chapter 1, we're going to see some more verses talking to us, similar along the same lines, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
Now we like that verse and we quote that one and read that one a lot. But what about the next two after that? Verse 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. One thing that I had, that God kept burdening my heart with, I spoke to him a lot down there uh, uh, Mountain View about. It's the condition our nation is in. The things that are happening and taking place. How in the world can we as a country, we've got to eat of the good of the land for a long time. We've been blessed of God for a long time. But we, are rebel- we, we refuse to listen to Him. We refuse to obey Him. We have rebelled against Him. Uh, we kill our unborn. Uh, we, uh, we celebrate uh, all kinds of uh, perversion and, and sin uh, and abominations to God, uh, right? And we, 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 we make sexual sin to where it's no big deal. It's just a personal choice. We're to the point that we don't even, we're in a, it's a mess. It is complete out rebellion, right? We don't even accept God's natural order, right? We're in this whole debate about genders right now, right? Big thing in the news a week or two ago is about the boy that was, you know, thought he was a girl and swimming with the girls. That is rebellion against the way God created things in God's natural order. We are absolutely in rebellion and why in the world should we think that the scripture says if you refuse and, and uh, rebel you shall be devoured with the sword why should we think that we would escape that I, uh, I said the other night and I'll say it to you tonight do we really think that we're that much better, tougher, mightier smarter, stronger I mean we've had that idea and that mentality right But you do understand that we are only the way that we are because the hand of God has been on us. Because of His protection. Because of His might. Look, Israel went and conquered a lot of people that they should not have been able to conquer because God's hand was on them. Right? We've done a lot of things from the founding of our nation. Right? You look at at what we call the Revolutionary War. Right? A bunch of farmers defeating the mightiest army. Right? The British army uh, on the face of the earth at that time. Right? That wasn't because that they were so good mighty warriors and had such excellent weapons and were rich and things like that. No, it was because the hand of God was on them. Do you really think that if God was to take his hand off of us that we could whip the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians and everyone else that hates us? No, of course not. Don't be foolish. Don't be silly. If we rebel and we refuse to obey, I guess that was free. I didn't had not intended on going there. But if you look at the if you look back at verse 18, though, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. If we obey, 
then we'll eat of the fat of the land. If we obey, then God will bless us. That's why we need revival. Right from the greatest to the least, sweeping through our entire nation, right? From our leaders to the most lowliest people, right? From the ones that are homeless living on the street to the ones that's in the White House, right? We need a true, heaven-sent, Holy Ghost revival to sweep through our land and turn us back to God. And just as I told them, I'll tell you tonight or this morning, church, it begins right here in my heart, in your heart. It don't start somewhere else. It starts with us. If you look at Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, it says, But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That hear the word of God, right? You're hearing the word of God this morning. That hear it and keep it, right? We're to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, right? If you want to be blessed, then be a doer of the word of God. If you, look, if you flip back to Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he says this there, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 says this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Only those that hear and obey will please God. Right? That's why Hebrews chapter 11, 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. So, Jesus gave them the instructions that day. Their job was to obey. The Lord has given us instructions, and it's our job to obey. Now, as I told you a minute ago, uh, I speculate about the possibility of the doubt and debate. Now, the Scripture doesn't say what was going through their mind or even what their conversation was as they went, so we really don't know, right? I mean, if, if we want to create a picture, I guess, of them being absolute perfect men that never doubted anything, then, then fine. The Scripture doesn't tell us one way or the other. But I know, I figure these are old boys just like me and you, and they had some of the same thoughts that you and I would have had, right? And, and with best of intentions, right? So here they are, they're going after the cult, right? They're, they're possibly going through their mind trying to figure out how the world that they're going to accomplish this task by their own power. I, I say that and I relate to that because that's what I'm guilty of, right? And that's probably, maybe if to be honest, maybe you've been guilty of that at times before, right? God will give us a task to do. He'll give us something to do. We'll go about the Lord's work, but if we're not careful, we will try to figure out how to do it in our own power, right? We see the obstacles, we see the problems, right? Uh, how are we going to pull this off? We haven't got the money to pay for this. Well, you know, how is this going to work out, right? We start second-guessing and we start questioning, is that really what God said? Can, can, I give you, can I give you this little spiritual tip for your life here real quick? There is times in your life when God speaks to your heart. And right in that moment, you know exactly that God spoke to you, to your heart, and what he said, what he wanted you to do. But as time goes by, you'll start to question. You, you, sometimes, not always, but sometimes you'll start to question. 
and the, de the debate and the doubt will come in. And then you'll start saying, well, was that really God that spoke to me or did I just dream that out? Right? Is that, is that God, you know, burdening my heart? Or is that just me, what I want, my own emotions, you know? Is that really what God said? Is that really what God wanted me to do? Well, here is my piece of advice to you. When those times come, and if you've not experienced it yet, you probably will. Go back to the moment that God first spoke to you. Go back in your mind to that moment and ask yourself the question that I just said. Was there any question or doubt in your mind in that moment? Every person that I've ever talked through this with before that was going through this has said, just like I've said, no, I did not have a single doubt at that moment. That's what you need to stand on. That's what you need, that's, you need to remind yourself. And that's what you need to do. Because see, the enemy comes along and he, he sows seeds of doubt, right? He's trying to discourage you, right? He is wanting you to quit as you go along the way. If he can get you to sit down, right? I mean, if you're saved, he's already lost you, right? But if he can get you to sit down and do nothing, then he's got a chance at others, right? That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to sit down and to do nothing. He is looking, he, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is looking to take as many with him as he possibly can. And if he can knock you out of the work, right? If he can pull you out of the field and get you to sit down on the sidelines, that gives him a little bit more room to work. I am telling you right now, when the doubt and the debate and the questions and the what ifs comes along, you need to put them out. You need to put them out and you need to remember God will work out the details, right? If these disciples had doubts and debates as they went, there was no point in it. They needlessly worried because God had took care of it. It was all taken care of already. They just need to be obedient and do what the Lord has done, right? You know God has not changed, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi, he says, I changed not. He is not any different. He has not changed what he done for them 2,000 years ago, he'll do for us today. The things that we see as obstacles and as problems and as concerns are no problem to God at all. I don't care if it's people, if it's money, if it's time, if it's things in our past, right? Uh, sometimes we think because of our past and the stuff that we've done in the past that it's an obstacle to what we can do in the future. I don't care if it's your living situation. Whatever it is, the bigger the problem that as we see it, the better or the easier it is to see God's hand at work removing that obstacle out of the way. Sometimes those things are there just for the glory of God, right? Just so we, we can better see him removing out of the way. And it's that much more of a testimony and part of our witness for him. You see, God has a way of taking care of things, right? When facing obstacles, uh, I think about what it says in um, Zechariah, right? Let me turn there real quick and I'll quit dragging you around the Bible after this. But Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, verse 6 and 7 says this. 
Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Uh, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace, unto it. Uh, Zerubbabel was trying to encourage the people to get back to work, finish, and rebuilding the temple. They allowed themselves to be discouraged, right, by the enemy, by the enemy of God, by the people around them that did not want them to rebuild it. And he is saying what looked like a mountain to them, they said is a plain before God. Don't you worry about it, right? Romans 8.31 tells us if, God can, if God's for us, right, uh, who can be against us? I am telling you here this morning, God knows how to handle the problems, the obstacles, the mountains, whatever it is, right? You look back at Exodus chapter 3. He knew how to handle Pharaoh, right? Uh, it was said right in the beginning in chapter 3, right, when God and Moses is talking, Pharaoh is not going to let these people go. That's a problem. That's an obstacle. But God knew how to remove that obstacle. When they got backed up to the Red Sea, right, the people said, did you bring us out here for us to die? Was they not enough graves back in Egypt, right? What they saw was an obstacle, a problem, but it was no problem to God. God was getting ready to do something supernatural. What about in Joshua chapter uh, 10, right? Time was the problem. They were getting ready to go to war and do battle, but yet God had a way of stopping time. What about when Jesus right, whenever they come to, who is it, is it Peter? And asking, doesn't your master pay tax? And Peter teaches him a little lesson, but he had a way of taking care of that, right? That's when he found the, the money to pay the, to pay the tax in the fish's mouth, right? Whenever they feed the 5,000 that seemed to be an obstacle, that seemed to be a problem. The disciples said, we ain't got nothing but this little boy's sack watch, right? Five loaves and, and what's it say, two fishes or a few fishes? Uh, anyways, uh, uh, but yet, whenever God blessed it and they fed them, there was 12 basketfuls left over. What about when they fed the 4,000, right? Uh, there was seven loaves and a few little fishes, right? It was two fishes and 5,000, a few little ones. Yet, and they had seven baskets left over. Leave the results up to God. When these old boys showed up down there, what happened? The man that owned the colt responded just exactly how Jesus told them that he would respond. The Lord has a way of working out the impossible. As a matter of fact, I kind of think that's what Mark 10.27 tells us. Mark 10.27 says, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. We just need to trust and obey. Have faith in your master. When Jesus gets involved, all things are possible. All things are possible. Quit debating, quit doubting, quit making excuses, right? Quit saying, I can't do this. Uh, you know, whenever God first called me to preach, I said, I can't do this. I thought, I'm backwards, I'm shy, I can't even hardly look somebody in the eye and talk to them at the same time because I was just that backwards and shy or whatever the right words is for it. I don't speak well, I don't read well. I, there's no way I can do this, God. 
you must have got the lines crossed somewhere, right? Is there somebody you're wanting me to go tell them that they're supposed to preach? God didn't have anything messed up. And I went through my time, right? I took a little bit of time before I answered my call to preach, saying, God, I've not been a Christian long enough, right? When I, when I got past that, right, Moses, I don't speak good. I was going through my whole, I don't speak good. And then I said, well, I ain't been a Christian long enough, right? One excuse after another. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Whatever God has spoke to you about, God knows what he's doing. You just need to trust and obey. Just do what the Lord has asked you to do. We stand to your feet. I want to open the altar and I want to give you a chance to come this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, don't you miss this opportunity. If the Spirit of God is drawing you, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, would you come?